Thanks for joining us for another Family Life Today program brought to you Monday to Friday by Power to Change. I'm sure you'll hear something today that could give you a fresh perspective on your marriage or family situation. Be encouraged as we join Dave and Ann Wilson with Bob Lapine. So if there was an area of our marriage when we got married that I thought this will be the easiest, most exciting, yeah, no question. (laughs) You do. You were thinking the same thing. Absolutely. I thought we might struggle a little bit, but if there's an area that we've got down, it will, well, not that we have down. (laughs) No, we didn't have it down. We were saving ourselves. But we assumed that we would have it down. And then we get married. Six months in, we were struggling with all kinds of things and we realized this area of marriage is really really hard work welcome to family life today where we want to help you pursue the relationships that matter most i'm ann wilson and i'm dave wilson and you can find us at familylifetoday.com or on our family life app This is Family Life Today. We went to the weekend to remember, Family Life Weekend to remember, marriage getaway two weeks before our wedding. We didn't take notes. We just drew pictures of two weeks from now, we get to we get to make love. You did that. Pictures of a bed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're still in our manual. And then we get married. Six months in, we were struggling with all kinds of things. And we realized this area of marriage is really, really hard work. Mm. It's beautiful. But it's hard work. And I think we're not alone. I think a lot of couples experience the same thing. I agree. And so we're excited because we have Gary Thomas with us. Gary, welcome to Family Life Today. Well, thank you. It's great to be back. And Deborah Filet is with us, too. Deborah, welcome back. Thank you for having me back. It's fun because we've had both of you on before, and we love you guys. And so it's really fun to have you together because you've written a book. Yeah, you've written a book about the topic we just talked about, marriage sex. The subtitle is A Christian Couple's Guide to Reimagining Your Love Life, which is great. And I feel like this book is so perfect for our time, for our culture. The first time we went to a Weekend Remember Marriage Getaway, I had never heard a biblical viewpoint on married sex. And I feel like you are bringing this into a culture that we need to hear God's game plan. So here's here's the question. We've got Gary and Deborah. How in the world did you two come together to write this book? Yeah, isn't this kind of weird, you guys? There have been a number of national marriage ministry leaders that have been talking to me. And there was this email thread going out saying, we just were looking for a new book. Some great ones out there. They felt like some were dated. Some had language that the wives didn't appreciate, but the guys liked. But I didn't think I just had the skill set to do it on my own. Mm -hmm. Because sex is so complex. It's spiritual. It's emotional. It's relational. It's physical. And so I, I approached Deborah. She's a licensed counselor. She's a woman. She's much younger than me. I've been married almost as long as she's been alive. So she could speak to younger marriages, how it's getting started. I could talk to the older people. I was in my late 50s when I wrote the book. So that we could have sort of this theological, psychological, and practical look to really help couples. A safe resource with a God-honoring, even more God-worshipping worldview exploring, I think, just this wonderful gift of marital sexuality. Mm. Yeah, and I tell you, when you sent it to us to endorse, 
or asked us to endorse it. I, I was like, Ann, I was like, wow, oh, this is interesting. We got Gary and Deborah, not married, but they wrote this book together. And then as I read it, I thought, you did it so well. The way you sort of balanced each other was really well done. So, Deborah, as you were, you know, even getting Gary's manuscripts and reading it, what were you thinking? Yeah, so we didn't start writing until we decided, yeah, we're going to do this. We're going to write this book. And I think one thing that makes this book different, like you said, we don't write from our experience. We write Mm. from our expertise. So Mm. what I mean by that is I'm a counselor. I've written five books. Gary is a pastor. He's written over 20 books. We've both worked with numerous married couples. And not only that, but we took a survey of over 900 couples for this book. And then we had a private Facebook group where we interviewed over a hundred different couples. So this is the stories of so many different people. And I think sometimes Christian books, they base the entire book on their personal experience, but neither of our personal experiences is a cookie cutter mold of sex in marriage. So you're going to find a whole lot of different stories and perspectives throughout this book. Deborah, how long have you and John been married? We've been married for 15 years and we've got four kids, one of which was a result of writing this book. I kid you not, our fourth <laughs> surprise baby, because, you know, John and I had to practice what I was writing, right? You can't just put a book out there when you haven't done the research. <laughs> and Gary, what about you? How long have you guys been married? 37 years. Wow. And how many kids and grandkids? I have three kids and the two best grandkids in the universe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Ours are pretty good, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We'd argue with that. But, okay, so as you started writing this book... You're thinking what? Well, because every person approaches sex differently, we all have our different things. We wanted to set people theologically free. Some people have religious hang-ups. They had just some bad religious Mm. upbringings, negative messages about sex, or don't enjoy it too much or whatnot. So we start out really getting into the Song of Songs, how explicit it is, how it doesn't just allow sex, it celebrates sex, it elevates it as just one of God's sterling creations, brilliant idea on his behalf. But some people don't have a theological problem. They have psychological issues with it. And Deborah, as a counselor, is able to deal with that. She has a chapter. You have to go backwards to go forward sometimes. Maybe there was abuse. Maybe there's guilt from previous relationships. Maybe there's just the way you were raised. And then sex is also very physical. You Mm -hmm. you might be theologically free and psychologically free, but there are physical aspects of sex that can hold you up. I was shocked when Deborah would tell me about how some of the couples she worked with, the guys literally didn't know body parts on their wife. They never Mm -hmm. thought about it and didn't know where to go. So we really wanted to have this comprehensive book. Whatever hang-ups you're having, this is to set you free Mm -hmm. so that this feeds the marriage. It creates that special vibe. Couples know what I'm talking about. When you're clicking in this area, there's just a different vibe in the household. There's this spontaneous affection. There's those wonderful smiles when you catch each other. We're the only ones that know this is private, this is intimate, but this is so great. Uh, it just creates a different home. And so we wanted to remove the roadblocks that keep it from happening and then inspire them to say, you might be doing okay, but here's how God's word and, and other couples attest that this can be even better. Your mm. best days sexually can be ahead of mm. you. Deborah, as you have been meeting with clients over the years, is this an area that people struggle with in their marriage? Absolutely. I think more often than not, 
at some point in your marriage, because every two people are going to come into marriage with a different set of problems and a different set of sexual problems. It might be early on in the honeymoon stage. It might be later on in marriage. But the problem is people don't know where to turn. They don't know who to talk to. And especially in the church, when I surveyed people and asked them, where do you get your information about sex? The majority said either nowhere. We just kind of try to figure it out on our own or we Google it. Hmm. And we all know Google (laughs) is not always reliable for this type of information. So it's just not one of those subjects that you hear about from the pulpit or you talk about in small group or you compare notes with your friends at Starbucks. And so, so many people are struggling alone and we wanted to show people that, hey, first of all, you're not alone. Everybody has problems, but instead of being surprised by them, we just need to be prepared for them so that we can get through them. Mm. One of the things I, I loved in working with so many couples that Deborah talked about is that we were able to give stories you would never tell in a small group because mm. it would be oversharing. We don't need to know about each other's sexual lives. But with that anonymity and changed names and whatnot, they could say, hey, here's how we're using the sense of smell or taste or touch or sound. So couples can grow in, I think, a very tasteful but appropriate way that creates a little level of anonymity, but we can still learn from each other. And so I I do think there are just a lot of very practical, time-tested tips that you're able to share that, frankly, you just can't in a church context for obvious reasons. Mm. Yeah, I remember my very first sermon at the church I helped start 30 years ago Uh was week four. (laughs) The title was Sex, What a Great Idea. That was the title. I'll never forget. I uh, get done. And it was really what you were saying. Where it was like, yeah, the church needs to be talking about this. It was really just a simple sermon like the Word of God says sex is a beautiful thing between a, a husband and wife and the covenant of marriage. Blah, 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 blah. This guy comes walking up to me at the end of the service. We're in a cafeteria because we're a brand new start startup church. He walks up to me, and we designed our church to reach the guy that hadn't been to church, right? He looks like that guy. I'm not judging him, but I'm like, I don't think he's been to church in a while. He walks up. He goes, hey, I don't know what they call you around here, preacher, pastor, priest, whatever you are, but I just got to tell you, that was one blank of a sermon. That's what he said. And I look at him. I go, really? He goes, yeah. I go, hey, have you, uh, again, it's our fourth week. I go, have you been here before? Nope, haven't been to church in 25 years. That's what he said. I go, well, how'd you end up here? He goes, well, you won't believe this, but my wife came here last week. I wasn't going to church. I'm like, you're going to this church. You know, you're, you're right in our neighborhood. And she came home, and I was still in bed, and she looks at me, and she goes, hey, this church is like no other church I've been to. You would like it. You need to come next week. And he said, I'm laying in bed, and I said, I'm not going to some blinking blank church. And she goes, well, you might be interested. Next week's topic is sex. What a great idea. So that's why I'm here. I can't believe <laughs> you talked about this. He goes, then I'll be back. You know what? Six weeks later, he gave his life to Christ. Oh. It's one of these beautiful stories. But I didn't think I was going to share that. Just when you started talking about how we Google. Yeah. Christian couples Google to understand sex and they don't go to the word of God and say what is God's plan and you guys have written a book and I tell you when I picked it up I wrote that endorsement saying I'm sweating reading this because <laughs> you were so honest and so you went there yeah I think we appreciated you went that there, and I was so <laughs> appreciative of that and I thought I want to hand this book to every couple I know because as and I want to hear your response but so many Christian married couples are not free in this area of their marriage. For whatever reason, they are not, and they need 
godly counsel and wisdom on how to approach this. So talk about that. As, as you wrote it, were you hoping that this would bring Christian couples alive in this area of their marriage? You know, people aren't comfortable talking about sex. They, they just aren't. And I think it's especially true when we come from a religious church culture. I mean, I'm surprised at how many people can't even say certain words out loud. They either have to spell them. I was just with a grown woman the other day who had to spell out S-E-X in our conversation. <laughs> and it just goes to show you the comfort level of communicating about the subject and talking about it. Even when we've done radio interviews and podcast interviews, some of the, the hosts who are inviting us on are like, I'm going to be blushing the whole time because this is new. And that's part of the problem is that we spend so much time telling couples what not to do before marriage. Stay mm. away from sex. Don't have sex before marriage. And then when they get married, the conversation stops and all of a sudden, they're supposed to magically feel a connection, magically feel no guilt and shame, magically feel comfortable talking about it. That's not how it works. So really, in my mind, this book is almost a training grounds for people mm. to give them the tools and the words and the phrases and the questions they need to have really important conversations that are going to impact mm. their marriage in a really powerful way. Well, you guys say marriage is where sex goes to die. Like that's a quote. Well, that's the culture. And what we're that's trying to say I is mean. that marriage should be where sex goes to thrive. But to build on what Deborah said, I have a, a friend. I think he's one of my godliest, wisest, most emotionally stable friends. He's a bit older than me. He's in his mid-60s. He has a Ph.D. in counseling, studied under Dr. Larry Crabb. Hmm. And he, he's the kind of guy I go to advice. But he told me, Garrett, I read this book, and he goes, and it was really difficult for me. Hmm. He goes, it was so helpful, and I so needed to read it. He goes, but when you talk about sex so frankly... Man, it gets into inner motivations, fear, shame. Talk about intimate relating. And and what he said is you might have some pushback, but those who are most hesitant to read a book like this are probably the people who need to read it the most. Yeah. Because if you can work through that uncomfortableness, if you can be that vulnerable with each other, if you can share some of your deepest desires and then see it received in a healthy way, because it really can just remake your marriage in some really good ways. Now, help, help a couple do that, because i, I got to be honest. I've said this before. I have been more comfortable standing on a stage preaching about sex to a thousand people and talking about it. That's easier for me than in our kitchen or in our bedroom talking to Ann about it. There's something that's so intimate when it's just a husband and wife. I'm not saying that's everybody's experience, but I've found, wow, this is easy to talk I about publicly. I don't think most people would feel comfortable speaking to thousands about it, maybe. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. It just feels like, well, it's, it's... But I get what you're saying. It's easier, but when we get in here, and I think it's what you were just saying, Gary, there's fears. It's one-on-one. -on -one. There's uh, expectations that I have that we haven't talked about. I don't know what it is, but I think a lot of couples struggle, as you know, to talk about it. So maybe we go to the therapist yeah, and say, Deborah, how do we... Let me tell you what yes. that is. Let yeah. tell us. <laughs> Counsel me I mean, right now. When you think about it, when you're speaking about sex in the context of a church setting, even unpacking scripture about sex, even Gary's chapter one, all about what scripture says, that's just a facts conversation. It's the basic facts. Here's what scripture says. Here's yeah. what we should believe. When you get into the bedroom... Then it becomes personal. Mm. It's not just about the facts. It's about my needs. It's about my feelings. It's about my opinions. 
that is a much more vulnerable conversation because it requires you to dig a little deep and share what you need, what you desire, what you don't like, what you want. You're putting yourself in a vulnerable position when you talk about sex in your marriage. And that's why we spend so much time in this book explaining that sometimes what we think is a sex problem is actually a relationship problem in disguise because you need to have that level of comfort and safety and trust and security in your relationship before you can have these conversations about sex. And so uh, we spend a lot of time unpacking what it looks like to have a healthy relationship, what it looks like to work on your marriage above the sheets before you try to work on your marriage under the sheets, because one will always fuel the other. And and it is a vulnerable conversation. So, Deborah, if you were talking to Dave and I when we were, you know, we're... She she is talking to Dave and I. (laughs) (laughs) To young Dave and I, our first year of marriage, where it was great for the first six months. Then we come into your office and we say, we are really struggling in this area now. And we are struggling in our marriage now which I think that's pretty typical for couples, how would you direct us? It is pretty typical because one tends to reflect the other. In rare cases, that's not the case. In rare cases, it's hormones or menopause or some sort of physical illness or problem or depression. But more often than not, there's relationship issues that need to be addressed. There's communication issues. There's conflict management. There's bitterness that we're holding on to, resentment, things that we're not dealing with, unmet expectations, insecurities. And when we start to unpack those things, many times you find the impact then in your sex life as well. Things begin to change in that department. So that's where I would start. I would sit you down and say, okay, let's let's get to some of these roots. Let's figure out what's going on underneath the surface. And I got it. You know, as I heard you say that, Deborah, I thought that feels like what I think when I'm standing over a golf ball. <laughs> you know, when I'm standing over a golf ball, it's like. There's like 19 things I got to be thinking about. You just gave me like 10. I'm like, no wonder I'm so frozen. It's like, uh, should I get my hips? Should I get my hips? I'm like, I can't even, you know. So I get it. It is complex and it's intimate. And so it's so hard to work through all that. Let me narrow down your 19 things to one <laughs> yes. that I think can be helpful. And this isn't for everybody, but I think it's for a lot of them. I think particularly when men try to share with wives and wives try to share with their husbands and there's so much fear and angst. And the focus and where the fights usually start is it's on the what. I want this. Why Mm. don't we do this? Why do you want that? And the what becomes a real issue. And I say, go with the why. Mm. Why do you want that? Or open up, honey, I'm terrified Mm. to share this with you. Be vulnerable. Mm. There's something I really desire. I'm afraid I'm going to be shamed or humiliated or you're going to think, are you even a Christian? (laughs) But go with the why and the vulnerability so that regardless of what the what is decided, whether it's yes or no, that's still up for grabs. It's always up for grabs. It's got to be 100% consensual. But it creates vulnerability, which creates intimacy, which creates connection. So I would say begin these conversations with vulnerability and then the why. And I've talked with both men and women who are the higher drive spouses, and they both have said that's been a huge breakthrough for them to not just fight about the what, but to do an end run and say, okay, here's the why. You guys, as we close, how do we bring God into this when maybe we're both hurt? Maybe we feel the lack of hope in this area. Is that piece of God, like, I know that you're going to say, yes, this is important, as Dave and I would say, 
this is where you go. But what would you say to couples? Deborah, I'll start with you. I think seeing sex as a place where God wants us to thrive, a place that God created for our good, our safety, our security, this beautiful place in marriage. I think when we can see God looking down and wanting us to thrive in this area, it kind of frees us because a lot of us come from backgrounds where we think, I I don't even think God cares about this. I don't think this is even good. I would be embarrassed if God knew. So sometimes even shifting our perspective of how we believe God looks at the subject can begin to change our own personal insecurities and fears. That's so funny because the first time I heard at the Weekend to Remember Marriage Conference, they said, bring God into your bedroom. You know, I'm 19 years old. I'm like, that sounds like the worst plan I've ever heard (laughs) because of my past and because of shame and abuse and not feeling like God, no, God invented it. Gary, what would you say? Well, that points to my answer, Anne, because I... Let's be honest, for the vast majority of us, our first experience with sex did have sin involved. Mm -hmm. Whether it was something we were doing we shouldn't be doing, whether somebody was doing something to us we shouldn't be doing. And the way the brain operates, when your first experience with something is shrouded in guilt, it's hard to get out of that guilt. Mm. And what we're pointing toward in this book is to really help people be drawn closer to God in the midst of this sexual experience, not just each other. We want them to honor God. I think that's healthy sex where you're thanking God. You made me this way. Mm. You made my spouse this way. It only works when we're together and completely refashioning the way we look at sex and what we appreciate about sex so that we're worshiping God because of sex. He's the designer. He's the one that thought it up. And so it really can be this oasis. We have this chapter called Engedi Sex, where sex can be this oasis in the midst of a desert, a life of hurt and pain and fears for the future and frustration in the present. And it can be a place where we connect not just with each other, but with God. That's what we're aiming for. to thank Dave and Ann Wilson along with Bob Lapine and their team for another edition of Family Life Today. Although our programs are produced in America, the issues facing families like forgiveness, communication and taking care of our kids transcend national borders. These issues profoundly affect relationships everywhere. In Australia, family life is known as power to change and our mission is to effectively develop godly families the kind of families that change the world one home at a time. A key part of our mission includes strengthening marriages and families all around the world. We want to do whatever we can to bring timeless truths to the challenges you face as you seek to strengthen your family and join us in changing the world. Do you want to learn how to use marriage to transform your community? Consider joining with us to help build marriage ministry movements where lives are transformed through the gospel. For more information or to get started today, email radio at powertochange.org.au or check out our website under helping couples at families.powertochange.org.au. We hope you can join us tomorrow at the same time for another Family Life Today.